Chapter Thirty Three of the Giant's Robe by F. Anstey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirty Three. In suspense. Mark, as he left his wife with that hastily invented excuse of the forgotten tobacco, turned back with a blind instinct of escape. He went to the foot of the hilly little street down which Mabel and he had lately passed, and halted there undecidedly. Then he saw a flight of rough steps by a stone fountain, and climbed them, clutching the wooden rail hard as he went up. They led to a little row of cabins, barricaded by stacks of pine wood, and further on there was another short flight of steps which brought him out upon a little terrace in front of a primitive stucco church here he paused to recover breath and think if thought were possible above the irregular line of high-pitched brown roofs at his feet he could just catch a glimpse of the rushing green rhine with the end of the covered way on the bridge and the little recess beyond it was light enough still for him to see clearly the pair that stood in that recess vincent's broad figure leaning earnestly towards that other one he was drawing closer now he drew back again as if to watch the effect of his words mark knew well what she must be hearing down there he strained his eyes as the dusk shrouded the two more and more he thought that even there he would be able to see a change when the blow fell mabel my darling my innocent darling he groaned aloud have pity on me do not give me up from the opposite side he could hear the faint strains of a street organ which was playing a lively popular air it had come in that morning and he and mabel had been amused at the excitement it produced among the unsophisticated inhabitants it had exhausted its repertoire over and over again but its popularity seemed yet undiminished as he leaned there on the rough stone parapet his panic gradually abated and the suspense became intolerable he could not stay there by this time too the worst must have happened it was useless to try to avoid the inevitable he would go down and face his doom without giving her further cause to despise him the idea of denying the charge never occurred to him for a moment he knew that face to face with his accuser such audacity was beyond his powers he had nothing to say in defence but he must hear his sentence and so in a sort of despairing apathy he went steadily down again to the street level and with a self-command for which he had not dared to hope passed with a firm tread along the covered way across the bridge after the first surprise of meeting vincent had had to explain in answer to mabel's eager questions the manner in which he had escaped being a victim to the mangalore disaster the explanation was commonplace enough and when it was given she exclaimed reproachfully but why did you lead us all to believe that the worst had happened you must have known how it would grieve us it was not like you vincent but i wrote he rejoined surely you got my letter mabel you did write then she said i am glad of that but the letter never came i never dreamed that there was the slightest hope till i saw you here i hardly dared to speak to you at first and how do you come to be here at all you have not told me that yet 
"'I was on my way to punish a scoundrel,' he said abruptly. "'But I had almost forgotten all that. "'Never mind about me, Mabel. "'Tell me about yourself now. "'You don't know how I have been longing for the very smallest news of you.' "'What am I to tell you?' said Mabel, smiling. "'Where shall I begin, Vincent?' "'Well, first, your own question back again,' he said. "'How do you come to be here, and all alone? "'Are your people at the hotel? "'Am I to see them tonight?' "'My people are all at Glenthorne just now,' said Mabel, with some natural surprise, "'which, however, only made Vincent conclude she must be travelling with friends. "'Were they her future parents-in-law?' he wondered jealously. "'He could not rest till he knew how that was.' "'Mabel,' he said earnestly, "'they told me you were engaged. Is it true?' She had not yet grown quite accustomed to her new dignity as a wife, and felt a certain shyness in having to announce it to Vincent. "'It was,' she said, looking down. "'It is not true now. "'Haven't you really heard that, Vincent?' But, instead of reading her embarrassment aright, he saw in it an intimation that his worst fears were without foundation he had not come too late she was free there was hope for him yet but even then he did not dare to express the wild joy he felt do you mean he said and his voice betrayed nothing that it is broken off broken off she repeated with a little touch of bewilderment why oh vincent what a dreadful thing to ask i thought you would understand and you don't a bit i am not engaged now because because this is my wedding journey if vincent had been slow to understand before he understood now it was all over this was final irrevocable the radiant prospect which had seemed to open a moment before to his dazzled eyes had closed for ever for a moment or two he did not speak if he had made any sound it would have been a cry of pain but he repressed it that must be his secret now and he would keep it till death he kept it well then at least for there was no faltering in his voice as he said slowly i did not know you will let me congratulate you mabel and and wish you every happiness thank you vincent said mabel not too warmly thinking that from so old a friend as vincent these felicitations were cold and conventional you are happy are you not he said anxiously happier than i ever thought possible she said softly when you see my-my husband she spoke the word with a pretty shy pride and know how good he is vincent you will understand if she had ever suspected the place she filled in vincent's heart she would have spared him this as it was she treated him as an affectionate elder brother who needed to be convinced that she had chosen wisely and it was in some degree his own fault that she did so he had never given her reason to think otherwise i wish he would come i can't think where he can be all this time continued mabel i want you to know one another i'm sure you will like mark vincent when you know him vincent started now unmistakably not all his self-control could prevent that 
till that moment it had not occurred to him that mabel's presence there in the town where he had expected to come upon mark was more than a coincidence he had been led to believe that mark and she were not even acquainted and even the discovery that she was married did not prepare him for something more overwhelming still mark he cried did you say mark is that your husband's name not not mark ashburn how that seems to astonish you says mabel but i forgot how stupid of me why you are a friend of his are you not holroyd's anger came back to him all at once with a deadly force that turned his heart to stone i used to be he answered coldly not caring very much just then in his bitterness if the scorn he felt betrayed itself or not but mabel took his answer literally why of course she said i remember we came upon your portrait once at home and he asked if it was not you and said you were one of his oldest friends i thought he would have forgotten that was all vincent's answer i am quite sure he will be very glad to welcome you back again said mabel and you will be glad to hear that since you saw him he has become famous you have been so long away that you may not have heard of the great book he has written illusion i have read it said vincent shortly i did not know he wrote it he did write it said mabel but for that we might never have known one another he has to admit that even though he does try to run down his work sometimes and insist that it has been very much overrated he says so does he vincent replied yes i can quite understand that some intonation in his voice struck mabel's ear perhaps you agree with him she retorted jealously holroyd laughed harshly no indeed he said i should be the last man in the world to do that i only meant i could understand your husband taking that view i read the book with intense interest i assure you you don't speak as if you quite meant me to believe that she said i'm afraid the book was not practical enough to please you vincent ceylon seems to have hardened you very possibly he replied and then followed a short silence during which mabel was thinking that he had certainly altered hardly for the better and holroyd was wondering how much longer he would have to bear this he was afraid of himself feeling the danger of a violent outburst which might reveal her delusion with a too brutal plainness she must know all some time but not here not then he had finally mastered any rebellious impulses however as mabel who had been anxiously watching the bridge for some time went to meet someone with a glad cry of relief he heard her making some rapid explanations and then she returned followed by mark ashburn mabel's greeting told the wretched mark that the blow had not fallen yet vincent evidently was determined to spare neither of them let him strike the blow then the less delay the better he walked up to the man who was his executioner with a dull dogged expectation of what was coming he tried to keep himself straight but he felt that his head was shaking as if with palsy and he was grateful that the dusk hid his face here is mark at last said mabel he will tell you himself that he at least has not forgotten but mark said nothing he did not even put out his hand 
he stood silently waiting for the other to speak vincent was silent too for a time looking at him fixedly this was how they had met then he had pictured that meeting many times lately but it had never been anything like the reality and mabel still suspected nothing there was a touch of comedy of the ghastly kind in the situation which gave vincent a grim amusement and he felt a savage pleasure of which he was justly ashamed later in developing it i have been trying to explain to your wife he said at last that i have been away so long that i could hardly hope you would remember the relations between us mark made some reply to this he did not know what at least vincent continued calmly i may congratulate you upon the success of your book i should have done so when we met the other day if i had understood then that you were the author your modesty did not allow you to mention it and so i discover it later mark said nothing though his dry lips moved when you met cried mabel in wonder did you know vincent was alive then mark and you never told me he naturally did not think it would interest you you see said vincent no said mabel turning to mark you couldn't know that vincent had once been almost one of the family i forgot that if you had only thought of telling me the two men were silent again and mabel felt hurt and disappointed at vincent's want of cordiality he seemed to take it for granted that he had been forgotten he would thaw presently and she did her best to bring this about by all the means in her power in her anxiety that the man she respected should do justice to the man she loved that conversation was as far as mark was concerned like the one described in aurora lee Quote, every common word seemed tangled with the thunder at one end and ready to pull down upon their heads a terror out of sight End quote. the terror was close at hand when mabel said in the course of her well-meant efforts to bring them into conversation it was quite by accident do you know mark that vincent should have met us here at all he was on his way to find some man who has i forget what you say he has done vincent i don't think i went into particulars he replied i described him generally as a scoundrel and he is i hope you were able to find that out before he could do you any injury said mabel unfortunately no he said when i found out the worst was done would you rather not talk about it she continued or do you mind telling us how you were treated vincent hesitated just then the sense of his wrong the sight of the man who had deceived him made him hard as adamant could he desire a fuller satisfaction than was offered him now it's rather a long story he said perhaps this is not quite the place to tell it you might find it interesting though from the literary point of view he added turning suddenly on mark who did not attempt to meet his eyes tell it by all means then said the latter without moving his head no you shall hear it another time said holroyd put shortly mabel it's this i trusted the other man he deceived me nothing very original in that is there i'm afraid not said mabel did he rob you vincent have you lost much much more than money 
"'Yes, he robbed me first and paid me the compliment of a highly artistic chain of lies afterwards. "'That was a needless waste. "'The ordinary sort of lie would have been quite enough for me, from him.' "'Mark heard all this with a savage inclination at first to cut the scene short, "'and say to Mabel, "'He means me. I robbed him. I lied to him. I am the scoundrel. It's all true. I own it. Now let me go.' but he let Holroyd take his own course in the end, with an apathetic acknowledgment that he had the right to revenge himself to the very utmost. The house at the nearer end of the bridge had a small projecting gallery, where he remembered having seen a tame fox run out, when he was there in the autumn before. He caught himself vaguely speculating whether the fox was there still, or if it had died, and yet he heard every word that Vincent was saying. "'And what do you mean to do with him when you meet?' asked Mabel. "'Ah,' said Vincent, "'I have thought over that a good deal. "'I have often wondered whether I could keep calm enough to say what I mean to say. "'I think I shall. "'In these civilised days we have to repress ourselves now and then, "'and that won't, of course, prevent me from punishing him as he deserves. "'And when those nearest and dearest to him know him as he really is, and turn from him, even he will feel that a punishment. He turned to Mark again. Don't you agree with me? he asked. Mark moistened his lips before answering. I think you will find it very easy to punish him, he said. Is he... is he married? asked Mabel. Oh, yes, said Vincent. I was told that his wife believes in him still. And you are going to undeceive her? she said. "'She must know the truth. That is part of his punishment,' replied Vincent. "'But it will be so terrible for her, poor thing,' said Mabel, with an infinite compassion in her voice. "'What if the truth were to kill her?' "'Better that,' he said bitterly, "'than to go on loving a lie. Whatever happens, her husband is responsible, not I. That is the correct view, Ashburn, I think.' "'Quite correct,' said Mark. "'It may be correct,' said Mabel, indignantly, "'but it is very cruel. "'I didn't think you could be so harsh, either of you. "'Of course I don't know what the man has done. "'Perhaps if I did, I might be correct, too. "'But, Vincent, I do ask you to think a little of his poor wife. "'She, at least, has done you no harm. "'Is there no way, no way at all, "'to get back something of what you have lost, "'even to punish the man if you must?' and yet spare his wife if there were he cried passionately do you suppose i would not take it is it my fault that this man has done me such a wrong that he can only make amends for it by exposing himself what can i do i suppose there is no help for it then agreed mabel reluctantly but i wish she had not to suffer too only think what it must be to have to give up believing in one's husband and as she spoke she slid a confiding hand through Mark's arm. There was another silence, and, as it seemed plain now that the interview was not likely to be a success, she made haste to end it. "'We must say good-bye now, Vincent,' she said. "'I hope you are not so harsh as your words.' "'I don't know. I feel considerably harsher just now, I think,' he said. "'Good-bye, then, Mabel. By the way, Ashburn,' he added in a slightly lowered tone, there is something I have to say to you. 
I know, muttered Mark doggedly. Are you going to say it now? No, not now, he answered. You must meet me. Where shall we say? I don't know this place. Here? No, on that little terrace over there by the fountain. It will be quieter. Be there at nine. I am going to tell your husband the details of that story, Mabel, he continued aloud, and then we shall decide what to do. You will spare him to me for half an hour? Oh, yes, said Mabel cheerfully. She thought this looked as if they were going to arrive at a better understanding. Mark looked at Vincent, but his face was impenetrable in the dim light as he added again in an undertone, "'You are to say nothing until I give you leave. If you are not at the place by nine, remember, I shall come to you.' "'Oh, I will be there,' said Mark recklessly, and they parted. As Mabel and Mark were walking back, she said suddenly, "'I suppose when you met Vincent last, you told him that you were going to marry me, Mark.' "'Didn't he say so?' he answered, prevaricating even then. "'I thought you must have done so,' she said, and was silent. Vincent had known then. He had deliberately kept away from them all. He had pretended to ignore the marriage when they met. That was his way of resenting it. She had not thought of this till then, and it confirmed her in the idea that Ceylon had sadly changed him. They dined alone together in the large, bare Spicer Saal, for the handsome hotel was scarcely ever occupied even in the season. Now they had it all to themselves, and the waiters almost fought with one another for the privilege of attending upon them. The director himself, a lively, talkative little German, who felt his managerial talents wasted in this wilderness, came in to superintend their meals, partly to refresh himself by the contemplation of two real guests, but chiefly to extend his English vocabulary. Hitherto Mark had considered him a nuisance, but he was glad that evening, when the host followed the fish in with his customary greeting, "'Good night! You have made a good folk? Good appetit, yes?' and proceeded to invite them to a grand concert, which was to take place in the hotel the following Sunday. "'There will be the band from Klanglaufengen, it is all brass. It is better, as you will not go too near. They blow very strong, then they go off. But a lady from here will gamble beautifully after them on the piano. You will come, yes? When he had gone at last, little Max came in and stood by Mabel, with his mouth gaping like a young bird's for, ch for chance fragments of dessert. Mark was grateful to him, too, for diverting her attention from himself. He grew more and more silent as the long black forest clock by the shining porcelain stove ticked slowly on towards the hour. It was time to go, and he rose with a shiver. "'You will not be very long away, will you, dear?' said Mabel, looking up from the orange she was peeling for the child. "'And you will do what you can for the poor woman, I know.' "'Yes, yes,' he said as he reached the door. "'Good-bye, Mabel.' "'Good-bye,' she said, nodding to him brightly. "'Max, say, good evening, Herr Mark, a pleasant walk.' But Max backed away behind the stove, declining to commit himself to an unknown tongue. Mark took a last look at her laughing gaily there in the lamplight. Would he ever hear her laugh like that again? 
how would he ever find courage to tell her there was little need just then of holroyd's prohibition he went down to the hotel steps to the little open space where the two streets unite and where the oil lamps suspended above by cords dropped a shadow like a huge spider on the pale patch of lighted ground below the night was warm and rather dark no one was about at that hour the only sound was the gurgle of the fountain in the corner where the water jets gleamed out of the blackness like rods of twisted crystal he entered the narrow streets or rather alley leading to the bridge in the state of blank misery he was in his eye seized upon the smallest objects as if to distract his mind and he observed as he might not have done had he been happy that in the lighted upper room of the corner house they had trained growing ivy along the low raftered ceiling so too as he went on he noticed details in each dim small paned shop front he passed the tobacconist's big wooden negro sitting with bundles of hamburg cigars in his lap and filling up the whole of the window the two rows of dangling silver watches at the watchmakers the butcher's unglazed slab with its strong iron bars behind which one small and solitary joint was caged like something dangerous to society even the grotesque forms in which the jugs and vases at the china shop were shadowed on the opposite wall he looked up at a quaint metal ensign an ancient ship which swung from a wrought-iron bracket overhead when next i pass under that he thought he came to the end of the street at last when his way to the place of meeting lay straight on but he turned to his right instead past the zollverein where the chief was busy writing by the window under his linen-shaded oil-lamp and on to the bridge as if some irresistible attraction were drawing him when he reached the recess opposite to that in which mabel had met vincent he stopped mechanically and looked around the towns were perfectly still save for the prolonged organ note of the falls which soon ceases to strike the ear on either bank the houses gleamed pale under a low sky where the greenish moonlight struggled through the rack of angry black clouds while he stood there the clock under the church coupler above struck the quarters and clanged out the hour followed after a becoming pause by the gatehouse clock across the river and such others as the twin towns possessed it was nine o'clock vincent holroyd was waiting there on the terrace stern and pitiless mark made a movement as if to leave the recess and then stopped short it was no use he could not face holroyd he looked over the side down on the water swirling by in which the few house lights were reflected in a dull and broken glimmer was there any escape for him there it would only be a plunge down into that swollen russian torrent and he would be past all rescue an instant of suffocating pain then singing in his ears sparks in his eyes unconsciousness annihilation perhaps who knew just then any other world any other penalty seemed preferable to life and mabel's contempt from the recess he could see an angle of the hotel and one of the windows of their room it was lighted mabel was sitting there in the armchair perhaps waiting for him if he went back he must tell her if he went back 
whether he lived or died she was equally lost to him now his life would bring her only misery and humiliation at least he could leave her free vincent would speak and think less hardly of him then and if not would it matter his mind was made up he would do it he looked towards mabel's window with a wild despairing gaze forgive me he cried with a hoarse sob as if she could hear and then he threw off his hat and sprang upon the broad parapet End of chapter thirty three